welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm Kevin. With me, as usual, are Nick and Jess, and we are your source for all things Marvel entertainment. For the this episode, we are uh, covering all of the things from Marvel for the month of July, which includes the plethora of news from San Diego Comic-Con that happened last week. Uh so we're going to kind of go through all of that news, uh, kind of pick it apart, pick it apart really quickly, and then review some some of the uh, biggest and best books of July at, in the second part of the episode. Uh, before we get started, just take a minute. If you're coming to us from Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to subscribe, leave us a review, leave us some thoughts, let us know what we're doing. Uh, if you're coming to us from another podcast place in the uh, ethereal realm of the internet, do the same. If you haven't already checked out multiversitycomics.com where we're hosted, I encourage you to pause what you're doing right now and go and do that. There is a ton of other great news and review content and just fun articles and good, you know, long form pieces about comic-y things. And then also a number of other podcasts, including the most recent one that uh, was begun on the site. It's called Mother Box. It's a look at Jack Kirby's uh, New Gods saga from two great people on the site, Paul Lai and Matt Loon. So I encourage you to check all of that out. Uh, but we're going to jump in and we're going to hit it really hard uh, because we have a lot of news to get through. Uh, so Nick, Jess, are y'all are y'all ready for this? Let's yeah. let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I'm not sure if I'm ready, but <laughs> we can go ahead and we'll get started. We'll get started. Cool. So we're going to kind of give like a like a one or two sentence thought. On, on these things, we'll maybe have a longer discussion on on some of the things that are coming. Uh, so because we're a monthly podcast, we missed a, uh, a few things that happened sort of uh, before San Diego Comic-Con, end of June, beginning of July. So we have a few announcements that happened pre-San Diego that we'll cover real quick. So the first of those uh, is a new uh, Shatterstar limited series uh, from, Tim, art, uh, from writer Tim Seeley and artist uh, Carlos Villa. Uh, Shatterstar, fun mutant person from the 90s. Uh, so Jess, I don't know much about Shatterstar. What are your thoughts on uh, on this book? Um, it, it seems like it's happening only because he was in the Deadpool movie for like 10 minutes. Um, so I guess maybe that's cool that a random character like Shatterstar is getting a new book. Um, it's I guess like my short version of this would be it's going to kind of be like multiple man. And I think it'll appeal to uh, longtime X-Men fans who are super into like random side characters from the nineties. <laughs> from the nineties, from the nineties. Oh, the nineties. Awesome. Awesome. Nick. Uh, I always enjoy when gay characters get their own series. So hooray for that. Um, Otherwise, I really don't know anything about Shatterstar. Um, Tim Seedley is a fun writer. Um, and yeah, it just seems like it'll be fun. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I think the the only thing that I that I really have on this, I didn't really know who Shatterstar was until I had to look up who he was before recording this episode. Um, but I agree with you, Nick. Like, I think Seeley's a, a great writer. I'm kind of surprised that he has a Marvel book because I thought he was DC exclusive. Um, but I guess I'm wrong about that um, because it's definitely happening. Um, and yeah, 
any other any other thoughts? Any other Shatterstar thoughts? Cool. I'm gonna take that as a no. All right. Um, and the and the and the no, and the silence has it. Moving on. Uh, next thing we have a Black Panther versus Deadpool five issue mini series. Because uh, yay the '90s from. Uh, Daniel Kibblesmith and artist Ricardo Lopez Ortiz also out in October. Most of these books that we're going to talk about are out in October. Um, and yeah, uh, this kind of follows on Deadpool's had a number of verse versus uh, books in the last few years. There's been like Deadpool versus old man Logan, Deadpool versus Thanos. Um, so yeah. So Jess, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? As someone who has to read almost every single X-Men book, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a hard pass from me. Uh, these, the, <laughs> these uh, Deadpool versus books are usually just like, let's give Deadpool something else to do so we can sell more books. They're usually very, very bland action heavy books with a couple funny jokes but not enough to not enough for the uh price of not enough to justify the price of admission sorry <laughs> and nick um this seems like the same dynamic as quantum and woody which daniel Kibblesmith recently wrote an arc for that i really liked so while i usually don't really care for deadpool this seems like it's going to be fun that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I think it seems like a like a cash grab because Deadpool just had a movie, and Black Panther also just had a movie, and let's put them in a series together. Hooray! Yeah, I probably I probably won't read this one either, <laughs> but it could be fun. I did like the Quantum and Woody arc that that Kibblesmith did, um, and the Lockjaw book that he did. I read the first issue of it. It was kind of cute, but. I probably won't pick this up. Swag. <laughs> All right. We're just, man, we're just chugging along. I am. I am so happy right now. I feel, I just feel so efficient. <laughs> we have like 12,000 um, news items to get through. <laughs> yeah. Good God. Good God. Okay. So next on the list, we have uh, the uh, first announcement for tie-ins to the upcoming Infinity Wars uh, event comic that started actually, this week with Infinity Wars Prime number one. It's, you know, the direct follow-up to Infinity Countdown. This is what we were counting down to. Uh, and apparently some... <laughs> oh my gosh. Apparently at some point during the series, a bunch of characters are going to get um, spliced together in a bunch of uh, two-issue miniseries called Infinity Warp. Of course. <laughs> um, of course. Because why the Ooh. fuck not? <laughs> Spooky. So, uh... Some of these start in September, some of them start in October, and then one of them starts in November. Uh, the two that are starting in September... No, I think the two that are starting in September are uh, Infinity Wars Arachnite, which is uh, Spider-Man and Moon Knight spliced together character. It's going to be written by Max Bemis, who's writing Moon Knight right now, with art by Ale Garza. And then Infinity Wars Soldier Supreme, which is... It sounds like something you would order at Taco Bell, um and it's uh a captain america doctor strange spliced together character and it's being written by infinity wars writer jerry duggan with art by adam kubert uh the two that are beginning in october we have infinity wars iron hammer which is an iron man thor spliced together character 
being written by Al Ewing with art by Ramon Rosana. And then we have a weapon hex spliced together character, uh, which is X-23 and Scarlet Witch. And it's being written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Yes, those are actually their names with art by Geraldo Sandoval. There's also a Ghost Panther uh, spliced together character. Uh, and that's Ghost Rider and Black Panther. And that doesn't have a creative team yet, but that one starts in November. Um, so, yeah. Jess, thoughts on... Can I can I quickly ask if there's any context as to why these characters are being spliced together? Like, what what is... Is there context given? No. No, you can't. No, we got, we got nothing. We got nothing yet. Apparently, reality is about to get warped, you know, because like, because that's what I, I think. We're doing, I think I that guess. is my one or two sentence statement. Is there context for this mess? Okay, that's good. That's good. My my thought is that instead of destroying half of the universe, we're combine just gonna it. combine half the universe, and that'll like cut the population in half, and that's also good. Maybe that's where it I think it's going. It reminds me of that Enterprise but... episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God. God. Oh. Oh. This is going to be the bad version of Two Bix. Um, uh, uh, that's still one of the best episodes of Voyager. That's, I know that's not Enterprise, but. Anyway. Oh, it, okay. There you go. Look at that. I, m- I mixed up my Star Trek. Oh, is that what you were talking about? Oh, I thought you For were. For talking- shame. Oh, my God. My shame. They're going to revoke your nerd card, Jess. That's it. It's gone. Uh, Goodbye, everyone. Adios. Oh, man. I don't think I was even ever issued a nerd card because I have never seen any Star Trek. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm so upset. Yeah. And I only watched the Star Wars movies for the first time a few months ago. That's true. That's true. Oh, man. I like. Anyway. Would, I would come home during the summer and just like watch reruns after reruns of Star Trek of like the Next Generation and Deep Space Nine because it'd be on Spike TV, um, and like that was my childhood. And maybe that's sad. I don't know. But I watched a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> um, uh, cried a little bit when Voyager got home. Uh, good times. Anyway, good times. Good times. Nick, you have any thoughts on uh, on getting warped? Not even one. Marvel two, Marvel Tuvix. <laughs> Marvel Tuvix. <laughs> yeah, I like. I so don't care that I can't even laugh at it. Okay, <laughs> don't care. All right, that's, that's that's fair. That's good. good. That's it's good. A great reaction. All right. Well, that uh, that covers all the pre San Diego um, announcement stuff. Uh, so getting right into the meat of it now. Um, we're going to start with some entertainment news and then we'll move into the number of comics that were announced uh, at San Diego. Uh, so first things first, uh, the Black Widow movie that doesn't have a release date, but is definitely starring Scarlett Johansson, uh, has a director in uh, Kate Short- Shortland. I have never seen a movie that Kate Shortland has directed, but apparently they went through a really long process and like had like 70 or 80 uh, female directors that they were trying to choose from. And this is who they picked. Um, and apparently that movie's happening. So, Jess, thoughts? It's a classic Marvel move to decide to make a Black Widow movie after everyone has decided, rightfully so, that they're done with Scarlett Johansson. Yep. So, 
um, yeah, I, I don't care. I, I mean, to be fair, I'm, I'm probably in a minority here, but I never thought she was a good Black Widow, and I didn't really care for her getting a movie above every other like major Marvel character, that, uh, especially the female ones that could have had a movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally disinterested in ScarJo Black Widow movie at this point. Cool, Nick. No comment. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> comment on a lot of these. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting now that Scarlett Johansson's going to movie now that uh, all the nerd people hate her, rightfully so. Um, she shouldn't have played her turns. Anyway, whatever. Um, it just has me, I guess, sort of interested and curious about what the MCU is going to look like, I guess, in phase four if there's definitely going to be a Black Widow movie and uh, the Marvel Studios execs have kind of said that they're going in a a completely different direction than they had before. So that's really all. Um, But yeah, if they were going to make a Black Widow movie, they should have done it like five years ago. Yep. And that's where where I'm at. Um, Cool. So uh, another thing, uh, there is an upcoming... uh, we, re- we reported on it, multiversitycomics.com. There's an up- upcoming uh, Disney XD Marvel movie. It's Marvel Rising Secret Warriors. But they announced um, at San Diego and released a trailer for a couple of, uh, I guess, like lead up episodes for like this movie um, from, it's like Marvel Rising something. Uh, we don't really have to talk about it for a few minutes, but I watched the trailer and I just thought it was really adorable because it's like Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl and, and, and Ghost Spider who is Spider-Gwen, but they're like all being young people and cute. And I think it's going to be a good, a good show. And that's where I'm at. So, yeah, it reminds me of the DC superhero girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty much that, that same tone. And I think it's, it's just going to be, it's just going to be fun. Uh, Jess, you have any, anything? It's, it's going to be on Disney XD. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'll probably watch it. I have Disney XD, so I'll probably watch it. It looks cute. Yeah. And and I have the channel already, so I'll probably check it out. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, like Marvel, not a great track record with animated stuff after the X-Men stuff in like the 90s. And like, I thought Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes was a great show, and then it kind of got canned, and like their next Avengers show was not super good. But this seems like completely devoid from all that, and so I think it'll be, yeah, like a lot of fun. Um, and that's really, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, and a lot more, um, less fun and less cute and adorable news. Um, director James Gunn was, uh, fired by Marvel Studios and Disney from directing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 after a number of tweets and comments that he made from 2008 to 2012 about, um, like rape and pedophilia and other stuff kind of surfaced on the internet they were brought to the fore by sort of these um alt-right uh peoples and then disney decided to uh to part ways with him um after that so uh we don't have to spend a ton of time on this but i think it's kind of worth noting um but yeah so jess what are your what are your thoughts on this um i don't like the things that he said um but I have issue with suddenly, with Disney suddenly um, 
deciding to grow a backbone um, when they've done, when they've continued to hire extremely questionable people. Um, I'm also really uncomfortable with the idea that we're not allowed to uh, evolve as people. I don't know James Gunn. I don't know um, what he's like now, but if he's no longer that ugly person that he was then, then um, I don't think this was the right decision to make. Um, and that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. I just don't like the idea that we're not allowed to evolve as people because the whole point of listening and learning is to then do better. So you can't fire somebody um, from something from 10 years, from comments from 10 years ago that no longer reflect who that person is. I'm very uncomfortable with that. Um, but it's, it's, that's, that's what social media is now. That's, I guess that's the world we're living in, but I don't like the fact that Disney, um, kind of looks like they all of a sudden care because they don't, they hired Roseanne. She was doing, she was saying what she was saying for years. You know, it, it wasn't new. It wasn't, uh, old information. They just knew this and it took them how much time to get rid of her and they continue to employ people who, are ugly spirited kind of people. So, um, yeah, it's, I don't like it. I, I don't, I don't like it. I, I don't know him, so I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm sticking up for somebody that I know on a personal basis, but I just, I don't like the situation at all. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, what say you? Yeah. Jess, I think you said it all. And, um, the majority of the, like, what I've seen online and I've been purposely not looking at Twitter just because these sorts of things happen like all the time and I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> so like, I just don't use Twitter anymore. But um, yeah, when I would log in to like check notifications, like every now and then I'd see something and most people that I saw like disagreed with you, Jess. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm just not going to touch it, but no, I completely agree. I think that people can change <laughs> and I don't know if James Gunn did, or has, but um, yeah, just the whole thing around his firing seemed like a half-hearted attempt to give in to, you know, internet mob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm I'm kind of of two minds about um, a lot of this because I definitely uh, like agree with you, Jess, that you know people should be allowed to evolve, and from what from the people that have defended James Gunn. Um, and from what like James Gunn has said himself, uh, because he he apologized for these comments um, before he was recently fired. And then he apologized again uh, as he was being fired by Disney and said, you know, I think maybe they made the right call here. Like, I definitely said all these things and I take full responsibility. And I think that's very, very honest. And I appreciate uh, that aspect of it. And I appreciate him, you know, taking ownership of, of these things, which is different from a lot of other uh, men that I think are accused of, of doing shit like this. Um, I'm also really curious though, had, because James Gunn was kind of an out, outspoken, um, like progressive liberal person on, on social media and on Twitter. Um, and I'm wondering, and it, it was an all right group that, you know, got together and, and sort of brought, all of these uh, comments to the forefront again. I'm wondering if if the situation had been flipped, if you know James Gunn had been a a more sort of outspoken conservative person on the internet, and a more liberal to progressive group had brought all these things to the forefront. If there would be less people defending him and more people saying, "Yeah, that guy 
made a big mistake forever ago and Disney has the right to fire him. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, I think that it's, it's just a really sort of, I think it's just sort of a really interesting, um, I guess, place that we're in like societally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, but I do think that the Disney and Marvel and ABC have kept on worse people. Oh yeah. Or, I mean, not necessarily worse people. I mean, worse people, but also like people who have also done stupid shit like this. I mean, like CB Sobolski is the editor in chief of Marvel and he was, you know, a Kiryoshida. Nick Spencer's writing big books. Mark Wade's writing big books. Dan Slott's writing big books. These are all, you know, people that have harassed people and said all other crazy things on social media um, and who also have been harassed themselves. Um, so I don't know. I think there's a there's a fine line here. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I don't I think I, I think that everything that James Gunn said is worthy of of being fired. Mm-hmm. However, I acknowledge that he apologized for those things a long time ago and has looks like he has made amends for those things. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, you brought up, like, the... really good points. Oh, go ahead, Nick. <clears throat> I'm just going to make a little joke. Like, I feel like the moral of the story here is just don't use Twitter. <laughs> um, I don't know if the Maybe. comments were made yeah. on Twitter, but everything else that you said, yeah. I think you brought up really good points because, and I, I agree, like, I do think if if I were looking to hire somebody and I were trying to make the most the best decision I could for the people who would be working with someone um they knew that these were comments he had made you know and and there's no way that they didn't know because they were very public these things did not just come out of nowhere they were all over social media I think there was even an article uh run by the Mary Sue when he got hired that highlighted this stuff and like they still hired him anyway. So it's just, it comes off very strange to me to now decide it's an issue after he's made you all this money and now um, a very obvious alt-right group that isn't, and, and that's what gets me, is it's all very disingenuous. They don't care about what he said. They just care that they can get rid of him. That That's what it is. And yeah. that's what really gets me because yeah. I, I don't like those comments. I don't think they're appropriate. And they were actually the first time I saw them. I didn't know. Like, I didn't really know. I don't know a lot about a lot of celebrities and, like, public figures. Like, I just don't know. And, like, unless you tell me that they did some really garbage stuff, then I don't know. Like, don't assume that I know. So I didn't know that he had said anything like this. And <clears throat> and if you're looking at it from when they hired him, then maybe they shouldn't have hired him if it was going to be an issue down the line. But it's so obvious that these people who led this whole thing, they didn't care. They don't care about the comments. They just they just want to get rid of them. And so that's why it's like, yeah, the comments suck. And maybe now he is a different person. And I, I do think people need to be allowed to change um, and be better because that's what we want anyway. Um, but the whole campaign is just it's it was so obvious what they were trying to do. But then I also think, too, when you brought up, like, what if it were flipped? I think about that, too, because I'm not so sure. Um, I'm not so sure what would have happened. I don't know. Because that that made me think, too, if he were like a hardcore Trump supporter and this had been brought up the other way around, what would have happened? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. And I think I think the thing that is also i guess interesting and and, and not, like doesn't doesn't dismiss any of this but is is just interesting it's like that like eight years ago you know or or 
whatever 10 years ago whatever it was like gun was not the only comedian making mm-hmm. making rape jokes and making like jokes with it like you know people like like daniel tosh and um like other like comedians who were just like really prominent who just like made um just like crazy crazy um jokes quote unquote like like this and that was more that was more quote unquote like acceptable yeah. i guess like in mm-hmm. a larger cultural sphere um and that doesn't make it good like that doesn't make it okay i just it was the way that we the way that we talked about things and the way that we still talk about things um the way that we talk about like like winning or the way that we talk about um like like taking like taking tests or or stuff like that like we use words like like rape destroy we we killed that team blah 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 um and we're in we're in a place now that is more sensitive about how we talk about those things and rightly so because they're they're not great ways to talk about things um but yeah and it's like you know you have and that's a great point to bring up because that's just kind of what society is it it should evolve so what was okay to say 10 years ago it was still messed up then but now that people are getting to a point where they're like well wait maybe that's not an okay thing to joke about like that's good like that's it, mm-hmm. it's a good evolution and if those kinds of comedians those guys you named if they're not doing that anymore if they've owned up to how inappropriate it was and they regret that and they're doing things to change, they're, they're doing things that better them as people, then I think it's, it's not, I, I guess it's not up to all of us to say, yeah, you're forgiven for what you said, but you know, it's, we get it. You're a different person now. And I, cause I think everyone's like that. Like who I was at 17 is not who I am at 27. Like I wouldn't want my garbage teenager behavior to be something that now prevents me from having a good life at 27 when I'm not the same person anymore. Yeah. 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 And I really liked what you were saying about like humor, just evolving over the ages like if you think about things that Mm -hmm. people said if you watch movies from 50 years ago comedies like there's a lot of just misogyny and homophobia and just like outright racism and it's it's crazy (laughs) like i just i i can't even wrap my head around it sometimes and it's just so different from how we are today even like if you watch the movie um 16 candles like there's a character who's just complete terrible Asian stereotype. And there's a joke about like, Oh my God, like you would date a black guy. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that was 30 years ago. So things changed and things change pretty quickly, especially today. So yeah, people shouldn't like, yeah, they should be held accountable to a certain extent, but Mm -hmm. we should also recognize the climate of back then. But again, like Jess was saying, it goes back to the group that was leading this. They didn't care. They don't even care what he said. They just wanted him out. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. Have, have either of y'all watched Hannah Gatsby's Nanette? No, I haven't. Um, like recently? I've heard it's amazing. Okay. It's amazing. Um, I watched it, watched it the other night, but she's, yeah, she's a comedian and like her, the whole special is about like just how like co- comedy is all about um like like causing pain or like like throwing people like you can't you can't have a joke without like bringing up like pain or like bringing up somebody else's suffering like that's what 
jokes are and that's that's what i was thinking about through a lot of this and like it's it's sort of this like clarion call for like comedy to to evolve past the point where we're um just like uh taking somebody's pain and and like and saying like that's the only thing that we can i don't know um but yeah like i i've watched so many you know sort of even like just like mid-2000s comedies that it's um that it's just like the amount of of dick jokes and the the amount of like sort of uh uh like oh but i'm not gay jokes it's yeah it's it's insane um but yeah yeah um well cool do y'all have any other any other thoughts before we get back to the to the funny books no we could go on for with this for like forever so <laughs> I, think we, I think we could too yeah 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 all right well let's uh let's return now to the to the world of san diego comic-con um to the plethora of of comic books that marvel comics announced there so uh first up we have a, another oh infinity God. wars tie-in it's a sleepwalker series <laughs> um from writers chris sims chris sims and chad bowers is chad bowers is the one that wrote for multiversity for a period right yes okay cool um Wait, and, i thought chris sims too uh Am he was comics alliance okay okay right okay uh, and then artist uh, Todd Nock. And this is a four-issue miniseries, and it starts in October. So, Jess, we will start with you. What are your thoughts on... I, I, I'm not going to read that. Okay. <laughs> cool. Sorry. <laughs> cool. Nick? Yeah, I'm not either, but I think it's cool that both <laughs> of these people are... Yeah, but I think it's cool that both of these people are former writers of comics websites um and i have a special like nostalgic connection to todd knock um the first like monthly comic that i always went and checked out from like the comic rack at borders was teen titans go which was mostly drawn by him and i went to like a really small convention when i was like 11 and like nobody was there and so i stood there and talked to him for like an hour and it was awesome so anyway i have a special connection to him so i might page through it nice that's very that's very sweet that's i wonder story. i wonder if there's any like teenagers listening to this right now who are like what the hell's a borders oh maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah to all our 14 year old fans um <laughs> sorry so sad uh, <laughs> yep yeah i i hadn't heard of sleepwalker uh until i looked up the character before um this podcast another 90s character um he's the protector of the mindscape whatever that means something something about dreams i think uh and yeah i think it's interesting because i think chris sims and chad bowers are writing the or wrote the dark hawk tie-in to infinity countdown that was just happening another character from the 90s um I just think that all the all the fun '90s nostalgia stuff that Marvel's doing right now is still very interesting, and we'll probably get into some of that at the at the end of the episode. But but yeah, they also wrote the Youngblood reboot, right? Yeah, with, with yeah. yeah yeah they did they did. I think was that I thought that was just Sims. Was it both of them? It was both of them. Oh, okay okay. I think okay. I think yeah. I think they're and it's still going. Yeah yeah. So yeah, they're they're the the '90s '90s nostalgia's homeboys right there. Um so. The Chosen Duo by Rob Liefeld. By Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're the uh, 
they're the the fulfillers of the of the prophet that are <laughs> prophecy that our, our prophet rob rob liefeld gave <laughs> 20 years ago anyway um to all our 14 year old uh listeners the 90s was a great time don't let anybody <laughs> tell you otherwise um moving on so uh another sort of plethora of one shots that marvel is publishing in october um they are bringing back uh the what if comics so that was a uh series one shots other things that ran in the 80s that was just like what if this character were different let's tweak one aspect of it and explore what that story would be like so there's six one shots coming out in october there's a what if spider-man uh, one shot, which is what if Flash Thompson got bit by spiders instead of Peter Parker, and that's being written by Jerry Conway with art by Diego Orla Olortegu. Uh, there's a magic one shot, which is if what if magic ran away and didn't join the X Men, written by Leah Williams with art by Felipe Andrade. There's a Ghost Rider one shot, what if Ghost Rider was in a black metal band. Uh, written by Sebastian Gerner with art by Casper Wijingard. There's a Thor one-shot, What If Thor Was Raised by Frost Giants, being written by Ethan Sachs with art by Michelle Bendini. There's an X-Men one-shot, which is what if the X-Men were the E-X-E men? So what if it was the like a digital world um, being written by Brian Hill with art by Neil Edwards? And then there's a Punisher What If one-shot, what if Peter Parker became the Punisher instead of becoming Spider-Man? And that's being written by Carl Potts with art by Juanan Ramirez. Um, so Jess, thoughts on what if? Oh, I love the idea. I'm totally here for those one shots. I'm going to read all of them. It sounds like a fun time. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Nick? It's a cool. Uh, it's cool that they have some older creators coming in like Carl Potts on Punisher and Jerry Conway on the Spider-Man one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some completely new writers coming in. Um, So that's pretty cool. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Um, Casper Wengard, um, he won best new artist, I think, or he was in the top three either last, I think it was two years ago at Multiversity. Uh, when we did our year-end lists. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's on that, cool that like, angelic book with Cy Spurrier. Is that? Mm-hmm. I think that's what he's doing right now. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I think these look fun. Um, I don't know how many of them I'll necessarily pick up. I really like Brian Hill, so I might get the X-Men one. Um, he's doing great work at DC right now. Uh, I haven't read any, really, of his creator-owned stuff, but... Um, but yeah, I think again, and we'll probably get into this at the end. Um, there were a lot of these names that I had to look up that I didn't really know who they were. And I think that that is cool that Marvel's branching out in that way. So yeah. Okay. Moving on again. So IDW, uh, the, another comic book company is, uh, publishing, uh, a line of all ages, Marvel comics, Marvel has licensed some of their characters to them to publish some all ages line. I think one of the people at Marvel and like the press release was just like, yeah, we don't really do kids books. Well, let's give the books to the company who does kids books. Well, so IDW is going to have three books coming out. There's going to be a Spider-Man series. That's going to star Peter and miles. And that's going to start in November. 
It's being written by Delilah S. Dawson with art by Fico Osio. Osio? Probably Osio. Um, there's an Avengers book that's launching in December and a Black Panther book that's launching in January. Creative teams for those hadn't been announced yet. Uh, Jess? Um, I don't really pick up a lot of kids' comics um, because they're not for me. I'm glad that they're out there because I want kids to read comics. Um, it is always weird to me when Marvel like outsources this kind of stuff, but I guess it is what it is. It's a good idea that they exist, but I'm probably not reading any of them. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's so weird to me that they are... Um, well, I, I don't know the word that you just used, Jess. Um, I, I want to say exporting. but uh, outsour- right. Outsourcing. That they're <laughs> outsourcing, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was blanking. Yeah, that they're outsourcing. Kids' this. books That's are so Marvel's weird. main export. That accounts for sixty percent of their GDP. And um, yeah, um, I guess it makes sense because, like, they have certain relations with a certain type of writer and artist. But it's just weird to me that a company that's owned by Disney is unable to find creative talent and like market books toward children that's just so bizarre to me yeah but i think idw publishes all of disney's um like licensed Mm -hmm. property books that is true um so in that sense it kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. um but i do think it is odd that yeah that they're outsourcing sort of all ages content to another company um i like since uh like dc announced their like ink and in zoom books like all their um all ages comics that they're their graphic or the all ages graphic novel line that they're about to launch next year um i've been i guess thinking i need to read some of these like all ages books some of these uh books that are maybe not for me just because i think that they might be fun like i've heard brian talk about the reading the dc superhero girls books to uh to his daughter and um I don't know, like since reading like Unstoppable Wasp and sort of like reading some of these books from the company, like for Marvel and DC that are for people that are younger than me. Uh, I think that these are just like fun, fun things. I'm excited that it's happening. I, I'm like, yeah, Jess, I agree that I, I want kids to read comics. Uh, yeah. And a but, lot of people say, and I agree uh, that some of the best Batman comics are, or especially best Batman comics from like the nineties era um, were the ones that were made as tie-ins to the TV show, Batman Adventures. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. all that stuff is really great. So, And Dan Slott uh, started out writing kids' comics. And I think that you can sort of tell in the way that his stories are very cleanly structured. Um, yeah, so I think that's cool. There's definitely a lot of good about kids' comics. It's just weird to me that it's not happening within Marvel's stable. Sure, sure. I didn't know that Dan Slott started out as an all ages writer. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I had like the like uh, illustrated books for like the Batman, the animated series. Cause I didn't get, I mean, I didn't read comics until like much later in life, but, uh, but that's like how I, you know, was more introduced to like those characters outside of just watching shows. So yeah, I think, I think this is exciting. Um, cool. Moving, moving along again. So, uh, with the success of the Black Panther movie, uh, Shuri, uh, who is Black Panther's sister and who appeared in the in the most kind of breakout character of the movie, that's was played as Latita 
I forget her Letitia last name. Letitia Wright. Letitia yeah. Wright. Um, uh, she's getting a, an ongoing book um, at Marvel starting in November from uh, novelist uh, Nettie Okorafor and art by Leonardo Romero. Um, and yeah, so Jess, what do you think about about this? It's a really good idea and a really good get for um, the writer. Um, I'm going to read it and I hope it becomes like a thing because I really liked Shuri. And if, if the mm-hmm. version that they now make for the Marvel, the main Marvel comic book line is close to the movie, then I, I think a lot of people will be interested in it. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Nikki. Yeah. Um, Nettie Okorafor. Um, she wrote, I'm pretty sure a digital first Black Panther mm-hmm. series. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she's writing the, like um, the Black Panther, like uh, Wakanda forever one shot things that are happening right now. Okay. Um, and I think cool. she did some on, world of wakanda but i could be wrong about that but she has done yeah a a number of books in like the black panther sort of realm okay yeah so that's cool and i love leonardo romero's art um we were just saying like talking about the best new artist end of year lists he was on mine uh for last year i really think that he's just a great artist um yeah his hawkeye stuff a plus (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but yeah I like Shuri. Comic Shuri is very different from movie Shuri. So I'm not sure how much I'm going to enjoy the book. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm curious about. Because um, Shuri, I guess right now in, in the Black Panther title and in, in Ta-Nehisi Coates' um, title, she like had that weird... She was like dead from like the Hickman Avengers stuff. And then they brought her back and she was sort of like the like keeper of like all the stories or some shit like that for Wakanda. Um, but the solicit for this comic kind of has a Shuri that is more in line with, um, with what movie Shuri looked like and her costume looks very much like what Shuri looked like in the Black Panther movie. And so I'm curious how they're going to make that jump. Um, and my first thought was like, oh, maybe it's like sort of a standalone, like not really in continuity, but they're teasing that, you know, she's back in Wakanda while Black Panther's in space, which he is right now in the title doing the like space empire shit um so i don't know like i think i mean i think that like this creative team is great i think it'll it'll be a really fun book um i'll definitely probably read the first couple issues but yeah i'm i'm curious how it's all gonna all gonna piece together um and i think i just am always fascinated by how much the movie versions of characters influence the comic book versions of characters um both for good and bad but i think that this one is probably a a good a good choice a good thing. Sweet. Um, so another thing happening in November, uh, Donnie Cates will be show running a relaunch of Marvel Knights. Uh, that's Knights with a K. Um, starting in November, uh, Marvel Knights was an imprint that Marvel had back in the late nineties. After they filed bankruptcy, they gave some of their, lesser known characters to Joe Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti and said, do with them what you will. Uh, and out of that, we got a bunch of, of some of the, the best, maybe the, some of the best stories that Marvel's ever published. You know, we had uh, an, an Inhumans run 
um, from that is like one of the, the most acclaimed humans run her art by Jai, Jai Lee. Uh, the beginning of Bendis's Daredevil with Alex Maleev was a Marvel Knights title. Um, uh, the Steve Steve Dillon Garth Ennis Punisher began as a Marvel Knights title. Um, all of these really great stories. And so Cates will be show running. He's bringing along all his, his best buddies. So other writers have been announced for this line. Matthew Rosenberg, Tini Hauer, and Vida Ayala. No artists and no sort of um, sense of what the titles are going to be were announced yet. We thought, and Newsarama didn't really make this clear, and I'm not really 100% sure. They said that they're going to relaunch with a one-shot in November. It's called MK20, number one, because this is the 20th anniversary of Marvel Knights. Although they came back and said that that wasn't the case because they had announced that um, Mike Diodato was going to be doing the art on that, but that he just did art on this promo image that they released. So we really don't know anything about this other than that it exists, I think. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Jess, what do you think about Marvel Knights things? I'm very excited for this. <laughs> um, I really, really, really like the, um, the the talent that's been brought on, at least on the writing side. I am a big fan of Rosenberg. Teeny Howard's amazing. Um, she's also very good at Overwatch. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, Vita Ayala is like, she. they, they are amazing. Vita is amazing. And um, Vita has like so many good ideas um, in their creator-owned work um, that I wish more people would check out. Like, The Wilds is amazing. Everyone, please read The Wilds. Um, and I think they have, like, the perfect eye for, like, doing a book in that, like, really, like, kind of seedy Marvel universe, that side of it. So I'm very excited. I, I'm very excited for this. I'm, I'm very excited. I can't wait to see who the artists are that they that they throw in with these writers because I, I think that's a really good lineup. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the the writers are very much a like who's who of the recent like indie successes who have been just like rising really quickly and now they're at marvel so it's really cool to see and yeah the original marvel knights as you were saying kevin they had some really great titles um it's, it's just weird to think about that time because I feel like the imprint was a time when Marvel was just like, let's throw everything in imprints, you know? And I feel like none of the imprints, like they all had a meaning, but I feel like there were a lot of, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say here, but I just feel like it's a weird thing to try and duplicate. But at the same time, these are great creators, so I can't complain. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, uh, that was a time that Marvel was very imprint heavy, you know, like the, the late nineties, early aughts. Um, it's interesting because that's where DC is at right now. They're kind of imprint heavy right now. A lot of people were comparing this announcement to, uh, Gerard way show running the young animal line and just kind of getting to say, here's my vision. I handpicked the teams here, are the books that I want to make, let's go. Uh, which I think is kind of a, an apt comparison. Um, Marvel doesn't really have any other imprints right now. So it kind of seems like, yeah, they're, they're capitalizing on DC's, I think mostly success with, with, uh, with that whole experiment. Um, and yeah, like, I think like both of you said, the, the writing team that, that Kate's has uh, got together are f- phenomenal. 
Uh, I'm sure that the artists will be equally phenomenal. And I can't imagine that the books that come out of this line will be anything less than stellar, Um, which is exciting. Like, I think that it's exciting to see Marvel do cool and creative and amazing um, experimental things. And yeah, but also 90s nostalgia. Anyway, cool. Um, One more before we kind of get into, I guess, a couple of, of bigger things. So. Uh, Marvel announced a new um, Vision six-issue miniseries from uh, co-writers Chelsea Kane and Mark Mahan. Uh, they're actually married. And then art by Odd, Co- Odd Cook. Um, this is going to start this November. Uh, Kane, you'll recall, was the writer of the Mockingbird uh, limited series that was Eisner-nominated. And then she was also um, like harassed pretty pretty hard by a lot of the um now i would assume comics gate people um for writing the book and left twitter for a while and this is her first work at marvel um since then so don't use twitter Twitter, i guess is (laughs) really what we're trying to say here um so yeah jess thoughts on on vision um i don't know if it's something i'm gonna read but after all the stuff she went through with harassment i hope it's like a huge bestseller and i hope it wins every award ever (laughs) Amen out of spite. <laughs> out of fucking spite. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Nick? Yeah, glad to see Chelsea Kane is back. Um, it was sad to see her go before. But, um, yeah, I don't know if this is a story that needs to be told. I think it's interesting that they're doing it. Like, the vision by, uh, by, what's his name, by Tom King, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, is so, so great and i think like so sorry that was my headphone um it's so well regarded by most people um and it's i think it's weird that they're trying to do a direct sequel pretty much mm-hmm. um but at the same time like chelsea kane well i've never read anything by her uh is fairly well respected outside of comic skate people so <laughs> i feel like maybe she can turn it into something good yeah yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's just like funny to see who like writers are friends with and where they live, because I think uh, the way she's talked about and the way that I've read other articles on the Internet, it's like Kane lives in Portland where like Bendis and Kelly Sudaconic and Matt Fraction and Greg Rucka all live. And so like I'm sure the writing community there is like, you know, comics people and, and other people. And I think, you know, because image, I think image is based there. Yeah. Also. Um, so it's just like funny to see who from the uh, like writing community that's not comics gets pulled into comic stuff um but yeah i i'm really glad to see kane come back i loved mockingbird i thought it was a great book um i'm excited for her creator own book that's coming out at image now i hope she has a long and very successful comics career um this is sort of an interesting story to be telling because king and walta's book was as good as it was and kind of like told a complete story and told a whole a whole narrative. Um, but I'm excited. I'm kind of excited about, I guess, like where this is going. It's about, you know, what visions going through being a single parent, um, which is interesting that it's being written by a married couple, but I don't know. Uh, but I think if there was, was a direction that the story was going to go, this is maybe not a bad one because the first story was so grounded, um, in like real world stuff. So, yeah. So yeah, cool. Cool. Um, well, we got a few more sort of block things and then we'll have like a short discussion and then we'll take a break. 
Uh, so Marvel announced a new line of what they're calling Marvel Digital Originals. So these are double-sized issues. Uh, they're coming out in three-month clusters. So they're 40-page, all 40-page issues. So like what would be like two regular comic book issues and one issue um, coming out only on the internet. Uh, so they announced this with the reveal of the new Jessica Jones book written by Kelly Thompson and illustrated by Matea de Lulis, which is out now, came out last Wednesday um, on Comixology and on where you on Marvel's digital store. They also announced that the uh, recently released Cloak and Dagger book would is, is a part of this line and would continue to release issues in this way. Um, they also announced three more books later in the con, a Luke Cage book, from writer Anthony Del Cole and artist Janoy Lindsay out in August. Uh, Iron Fist Phantom Limb from writer Clay McLeod Chapman and artist Guillermo Sana out in October. And then a Daughters of the Dragon book starring Misty Knight and Colleen Wing uh, from writer Jeb McKay and artist Travel Foreman that will start in November. Um, And all of these books, after they complete their three-issue run, will be collected in volumes they're actually the jessica jones book and the luke cage book were actually solicited for the october solicits that came out earlier this week um so yeah so um we talked a little bit about the cloak and dagger book when it came out and about marvel having these digital books like this that sort of tie into uh shows and other properties that they kind of have going on on the in the entertainment world you know it's a cloak and dagger television show just got renewed for a second season Jessica Jones just had a you know second season on Netflix. Luke Cage just had a season, second season on Netflix. Iron Fist is getting a second season that's coming out in September. Um, that's going to star Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Uh, kind of feels incestuous like that, but uh, but yeah. So Jess, we'll we'll start we'll start with you. What do you think about this this output of of Marvel Digital Originals? I I really like the idea of taking. Um of doing like digital only series and then doing a collected trade. I just wish and hope that there's a way, I mean, I know how the local comic shops are. I know that they very much cherish like the actual sales they get in the store, obviously. So they're not going to make money on like a digital book, but I would love to see more marketing done, I guess, in the stores to kind of hype people about, Hey, you know, you can go buy these single issues right now, or you can just, pre-order the full trade with us right now you can read the whole story in a single set in a single sitting because otherwise i don't know how if you're not on social media i don't know how you know that there's a brand new jessica jones series i don't know how you know um i don't know how you know that if you don't if netflix doesn't advertise it during or on netflix at all and um you're not on social media and your local comic book store isn't hyping it so um that's my thing with it. I just worry that I like the idea of it because there are people who only go digital because there's no stores around them. I just worry that, or the stores around them kind of suck or, you know, so I worry that it's a good idea, but how are you letting people know that they exist? Yeah. So the way that they kind of described um, who these books were going to be for when, in like the press release and then all the sort of uh, stuff that came out is that if these are for the people more so that watch one of these Netflix shows or watch one of these shows on television or go to a movie and we're like, man, I want to read a comic that has that character in it. And they Google comics that have that character in it. 
and then boom, they see this and they're like, well, shit, I can read this whole thing right now. And it's a whole story and it's only, you know, uh, like $15 or whatever. And it's super accessible and I can do that. Um, and that's kind of how they pitched it. So I think, yeah, like it's, it's, um, for people who like are regulars at their local comic book store and for the, for the LCSs who will only get the money from like the trade versions of these, that kind of sucks. Um, but it kind of sounds like the audience that they're going for is different, which is, is interesting in and of itself, considering like, I want to read the hell out of a Kelly Thompson, Jessica Jones book. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Nick, you look like you're about to say something. Yeah. Um, I was totally on board with everything that you were saying. Cause that's what I was thinking. Like, when Jess was uh, going through, like, who are these books for? And I thought, like, exactly what you said. It's probably for someone who watches the show and then Googles it. And I was on board with everything until you said, oh, yeah, I can get this whole whole story for only $15. Um, because I feel like if someone's, a, like, if someone's in that situation, they're going to look at that and be like, that's the price of two months worth of net- Netflix. I'm not going to read this. <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah so i'm not sure i'm not sure how much that whole explanation holds up when you think about that but um yeah i feel like i said almost everything that i needed to say back when we were talking about cloak and dagger mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i said i said 15 because the the single issues for all these are, are 4.99 because they are double-sized issues which actually for a like 40 page comic in this day and age 4.99 is a better price than like 5.99 or 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 6.99 that you might get if um, you got it in press totally not wrong i mean math <laughs> but it's still a lot for most It's still a lot of money for for, for noobs yeah 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 i agree i agree um yeah i think this is it's really interesting that like Marvel's going the digital route to try to reach new readers and different readers. And DC is going the graphic novel young people route um, and like starting all these imprints route and trying to get in the bookstore and going more so print stuff, I guess. And it's just interesting to oh. see these two bridges. DC still has a lot of uh, digital first dollar per issue stories. I think the only like one that they have well. going right now is Injustice. Yeah. Do they still have the Infinite Crisis series going? I don't, I don't think so. Think so. And no, I know okay. um, Gotham City Garage ended. Mm-hmm. And, and Bombshells ended. Yeah. Two. So. Interesting. Yeah, okay. that's it. Which is weird because like for a while they had a whole bunch of them going and they seemed to be doing pretty well because they kept making yeah. them. Yeah. And now they're not yeah. doing anything. It's weird. And they were good too. Like They, they were. were really good. Batman 66 was fun. Um, I really liked the first like two years of Injustice. Um, the Tom Taylor, when he was writing it, that his stuff, I really liked that. Bombshells was great, so I, I don't know. Yeah, at mm-hmm. the end of each of those issues, they would show a schedule of what was coming out on each day of the week. Yeah, and for, yeah. For a very long time, they had like five to seven books coming out per week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. yeah, that's completely different from what Marvel is doing here. Yeah, I mean they're they're releasing you know like whole 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 issues that are you know, just like other like regular comic issues. They're just, they're just being released digitally um, in sort of like a different market or whatever. And I guess like maybe the comparison to me is DC's recently announced them having those books in Walmart um, that are going to have like 
uh, news stories in them from like, there's, you know, there's going to be a, a, a Brian Bendis and Nick Darrington Batman story. And there's going to be a Tom King and Andy Kubert Superman story. Um, and like, those are things that would, would sell and be like the number, number one on the, on the diamond charts or whatever, if they were in a local comic book store um, that maybe somebody who goes into Walmart and picks that up won't appreciate it in the same way that somebody who has been visiting their local comic book store for the last 15 years would. Uh, but it's still getting content in front of people who have never found content before. And then ideally them finding this content leads them to a local comic book store or leads them to buy more digital comics or leads them to, you know, buy more trades on Amazon or, or use like yeah. discount comic book store or something. So I don't know. Yeah. And I mean the, the practicality, like <laughs> the reality of that situation ended up being a lot different from what people thought it was going to be. But um, that's a different topic for a different day. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, we have any other digital, digital original thoughts? Mm-mm. No, no original thoughts that come from the digital. No. <laughs> um, I, I said that and I was like, that's a, that sounds like a dumb sin. Anyway. Um, okay. Moving on. Uh, so Marvel had a Spider-Man panel on, I believe, Friday of San Diego, and they announced a lot of uh, tie-ins and new info for their upcoming Spider-Geddon crossover that's going to be written by Chris's Gage with help from Dan Slott and art by Jorge Molina. And that starts in October, or the first issue starts in October. There's some Edge of Spider-Geddon books that start in, in August, and then a zero issue for the series is in September. So they announced a superior octopus book starring doc ock um and you know like his weird clone body thing uh i thought it was going to be an ongoing i think i reported it as an ongoing but the october solicit said it was a one shot um that's being written by gage with art by mike hawthorne uh they announced a new spider gwen book with her new code name so it's uh, the book is called spider gwen ghost spider that is an ongoing since uh, Robbie Rodriguez and Jason Latour's book ended this month. Um, this new book is going to be written by Sean and McGuire with art by Rosie Campe. Comp? Camp? Um, there's The rest of these are, um, are tie-ins to Spider-Geddon. So there's uh, a Spider-Girls tie-in being written by uh, Jody Hauser with art by Andre Ginolette with covers by Yasmin Putri, uh, which is going to star um, the MC2 Spider-Girl and the regular Prime Universe Spider-Girl and then the Renew Your Vows um, alternate universe Mary Jane and Peter's daughter Spider-Girl. Um, there's a Spider-Force three-issue book, I guess a play on X-Force. That's being written by Christopher Priest uh, and it has art by Paolo Sicaria. And then there is a two-issue anthology book because you can't have a Marvel comic without having an anthology book or a Marvel comic event without having an anthology book. It's going to be called Vault of Spiders. It's, it has a bunch of different creators like Colin Bunn and other people. And yes, so all of these fun Spider-Geddon books. Uh, Jess, what do you think about Spider-Geddon things? I really liked the Spider-Verse stuff, so I'm kind of all in on this. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably read a lot of those. Like, I'm definitely going to read the, the spider, uh, girls team up book. Like I'm going to read that. Um, yeah, I really like, like alternate versions of characters and like legacy characters within like the Spider-Man universe. So yeah, I'm, I'm in on this. 
Sweet, sweet. Nick? No comment? <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. I'm, I'm not, okay. yeah, I'm just, I'm not reading any spider books. None of these teams or characters really do anything for me. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I was expecting more of a reaction, maybe. Um, I'm disappointed. Just oh. kidding. Sometimes <laughs> life is disappointing, Kevin. Sometimes <laughs> life is disappointing. You're correct. Uh, yeah, I think um, so. With all this stuff, uh, I like when Spider Geddon was first announced. Thought it was going to be really dumb because the title's kind of dumb, um, but in like That's, the most comic booky way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I haven't read Spider-Verse yet. That's on my list of things to do before this, this whole thing comes out and hopefully I get through it. Uh, but I think these tie-ins sound really fun. Like I'm really curious about like Christopher Priest writing a tie-in for this whole event. Cause Priest like was the Spider-Man editor at one point and like has yeah. written amazing Spider-Man and he's just like a badass. Um, and so that sounds cool. Uh, I wasn't really reading the like Spider Gwen book or now go like Ghost Spider or whatever, but um, like it's cool that she she's getting an all female creative team. Um, and yeah, like this event, it sounds like it's gonna be cool. It, these tie-ins seem like pretty pretty original, and they seem like like teams of people that uh, both creative teams and then like within the books teams of people that have never been all together before. And so, yeah, it just seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Uh, so one more, we're an hour in, we got one more thing. We tried. Uh, so Marvel had teased before San Diego, a new X-Men series that we thought was going to be called X-Men black. Um, stick it with all the colored theme colors themes here um, for the books. Uh, it turns out that we are getting a number of one shots in October called X-Men black that are going to star uh, the villains of the X-Men universe. Uh, so the first one is a Magneto one shot written by uh, X-Men mainstay Chris, Chris Claremont with art by Dalibur. Uh, Talazic, Talazic. Um, we have a Mojo one shot with written by Scott Ackerman with art by Nick Bradshaw. We have a Mystique one shot written by Shannon McGuire with art by uh, Marco Fiela. We have a Juggernaut one shot written by Robbie Thompson with art by Sean Crystal. And we have an Emma Frost one shot written by Leah Williams with art by Chris Bacalo. And all these books, there's also going to be an apocalypse backup story written by Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson with art by Geraldo Borg. Uh, Marvel also announced in this panel that Uncanny X-Men would be returning in November, but they did not give us a creative team, um, which made a lot of people think that they announced that this book's coming back and it doesn't have a creative team. But then Jordan White, who's the editor for the X-Men books, said no there's four issues in the can and two of them are drawn um they definitely have a creative team they're just waiting for something god knows what but it's coming so yeah so jess you're the x-men resident here what do you think about all these x-men black books 
Um, because they're one shots, I'm interested because I'm not going to have to commit to like a brand new series. Um, also, Leah Moore writing Emma Frost is Leah like Williams. Leah Williams writing Emma Frost. If you go look her up on Twitter, and you will never find anybody who loves that character more than she does. Um, she's and the only reason I know who she is is because of her love for X Men, specifically Emma Frost. So, um, She's perfect um, for this book. Uh, Nadler and Thompson, they just got off a really good um, cable run, which I loved what they did in five issues. Um, so I'm excited for them to write Apocalypse. Um, and Claremont, I, I, I still, I, I respect the hell out of Claremont. So I, I'm always excited to see him come back to X-Men um, because for me, he is who made X-Men X-Men, um, at least in my head. And yeah, so it's one shots, which means I'm not committing to like 20 issues, which is great. So yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And Uncanny X-Men, unless it's someone that, unless it's like a team of people that have never done X-Men before, I mean, I, I, I would put money down that, that um, uh, Rosenberg's doing Uncanny X-Men, because I don't think Astonishing is going to run that much longer. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I would put money on, on Rosenberg writing it. Okay. Okay. Nick, what do you, do you have comments on this one? Not many. Uh, just that, <laughs> um, uh, Lonnie Nadler is, it looks like he's also a cinematographer and director and editor yeah. of short films, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I think that's cool. And then Scott Ackerman, like the guy from comedy bang bang. Yes. Yep. That guy. <laughs> interesting. Okay, that's all I had to say. <laughs> I just think it's, okay. it's just weird. Uh, I like the places that uh, Marvel pulls people from. Yeah, yeah, that's and and this is this is maybe a good time to talk about this too. Most of these names on these one shots, besides like Claremont and Thompson, I have never read a book by. Uh, and I mean, I mean, I've read. I guess I've read books with most of these artists. Uh, but I just I think it's so cool that they're they're bringing in all these different people to do all these different books. Um, yeah, I don't know that I'll necessarily check out maybe all these one shots. I am excited about uncanny's return. Cause I think that that's going to kind of be the big driving force for the line going forward since X-Men gold and X-Men blue are ending in September. Thank God. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> and, and extermination is happening starting next month, which is going to supposedly going to send the original, time displaced five back to their time or, or probably kill them probably kill them because that title sounds like killing people um and yeah my thoughts on uncanny i think i think rosenberg right might be writing it i also think tom taylor might be writing it but i definitely think that russell dodderman is on art and i would put money down on that oh that oh um, man that would be so ugh. oh my god yeah because he's been saying for months on twitter that he has a new book he just can't announce it yet. And I I think he's a big enough get for that book um, that that is probably... Oh, the, that's the probably Young it. Gun? <laughs> that young, yeah, I should nominated Young Gun. Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, that's... And they kind of all, all have, like, the other young, gun, young Guns, this recent round of Young Guns, on big books right now. I, I mean, I um, could see them saving... If it, if it is Dowderman, like, that would be great. And I could see them saving the creative team 
for New York Comic Con because a lot of the time what happens with these big with these two big conventions is like stuff gets buried. So they might be mm-hmm. saving that for later in the fall. So then that could be like their big thing. Cause, cause New York comic con doesn't really get like the movie stuff. Um, it's still a lot yeah. of pop culture stuff, but doesn't get like the Mar- Marvel studios and, and Warner brothers. They're not rolling out like the Aquaman trailer and stuff like that. So they might be saving that so that they can kind of announce it like on Thursday and then be like that's going to be their big thing for the weekend is the return of uncanny avengers and this all-star team we've got lined up and i could see them saving it for that yeah see i i think that they have to announce it because they said it's coming back in november and they have to solicit it next month oh that's true okay then um but i do think that with all of this because the other thing that happened this weekend um, is that Marvel sort of revealed? So 2019 is going to be the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, that they got a lot of big stuff down the pipeline, um, and so I think I think we'll get m- most of that at least for like the winter, maybe up to May at New York. Um, but I I mean I think that we have to get the creative team around August, or sometime in August for this book. If the, if they are gonna unless they're gonna pull one of those weird solicit things like they did with the Mister and Miss X book. Which I could see them doing. Which, oh, absolutely, because that's just yeah. what they do. Please pre-order this book. We're not telling you what it's about or who's actually making the book, but please give yeah, us. Money we know for you it. know it's going to be big, but <laughs> please give us for the give us money for this book that w- exists, but we can't tell you anymore. Yeah, yeah. or they're just going <laughs> to not solicit it at all, and then they're just going to drop it on in november um just like randomly on the first wednesday and it's gonna be like surprise surprise here's this book oh there it is anyway um yeah i don't really know um well cool so that's the end of that's the end of all the news holy jesus um so we can have i guess like kind of our our final thoughts so i had a couple things that i wrote down and that i want to hear um your all thoughts about overall about what you think um, of Marvel's appearance at San Diego. Um, So, so looking at their October solicits and, you know, a lot of that spitting out of this news, there are over 51 shots and mini series that Marvel has going in October. So most of the books that they're publishing are either one shots or books that are a part of a mini series, um, which I think is bonkers because that means that, all the stuff that they're trying is like this brand is like brand new or just like some like these one-off things. Um, There's so many new writers and artists on these books, which I think is really cool, but on still on all their like sort of like main state characters, like on a, like on amazing Spider-Man and on Thor, uh, like on Avengers and stuff, they have sort of like their old guard on their big books. And so it looks like all these things that were announced for the most part, you know, give or take, are books that are sort of like this, maybe this is a new generation that they're trying out of Marvel writers and artists. And so they're giving them all of these books um, and all of the like characters that the comics gay people won't read really. Um, I think Kate's getting a Marvel Knights whole imprint to himself is just nuts. And it just like proves how great he is and how far he's risen in the past like year since he's been exclusive at Marvel. I think we're getting a lot of big stuff going in January and I'm kind of excited about where 
Marvel is at this moment. There, most of these announcements were not like grown worthy things, and I think that Marvel's about there. Like this is sort of the like the middle or like the beginning of like the shift, I guess. Um, it'll be like a few months into the fresh start thing. And this really looks like the beginnings of like a brand new Marvel. And so I think that that is exciting and worthy of a little bit of caution. Um, but yeah, what other sort of thoughts or ideas or things do you, do you both have? Um, Jess? Um, I don't know. I mean, it is a lot to kind of throw at the wall at once. Um, but I think, I think that that's just comics right now. Um, which is weird. Um, I think Marvel and DC are just kind of throwing everything out at once and, and trying to, trying to see what sticks and what people want to want to read. And, um, I guess they figure right now, since comics are, I guess since right now superheroes in particular, Marvel and DC ones are popular, they can kind of get away with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately a lot of that stuff is stuff I'm not going to read. Um, so it's almost I don't want I don't want to, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but you know, it's it's like yeah, it's a lot, but I'm not going to read most of it. That's fair. That's fair. I think there's a lot of it that I probably won't touch either, or I'll read like several months later when I finally get to it. Um, but there is a lot of this that I'm actually really excited for. Like I'm really excited for um, like the Vision mini and. Uh, like, I think that I'm definitely going to go back and buy the, like, Jessica Jones book because we didn't get we didn't get comps of those. Marvel, if you're listening, send us comps of those. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, like, I think that there, there are a lot of good things here. Um, and there's a lot more exciting stuff that's being promised and, and hinted at. Nick, you, you've been you've been quiet. What do you think? No. Yeah, I'm just exhausted from all that. Just <laughs> <laughs> so much. Overwhelming. Yeah. And. It's that that same feeling is how I feel when I'm done reading the solicit. Excuse me, the solicits every month, and like trying to look through like previews the site and just go through everything. And I just feel this overwhelming exhaustion just at Mm -hmm. how many different comics are coming out, and a lot of it looks good, but I none of it stands out as being particularly better, and like there's a certain point where the hype machine is turned up to 11 on every amp and I can't hear anything. And that's how I feel. Mm. Um, So personally, I don't think I'm going to check out any of these books when they come out, unless we're going to talk about them on the show. Um, If some of them get really great reviews, I might pick them up and trade. But yeah, beyond that, I just, (laughs) there's other things that, I have wanted to read for years that I'm going to choose to read instead of these. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's pretty, that's pretty honest. Um, And, and I think I like, I have that experience reading the solicits too, that it's everything just looks so big and bombastic. And it's like, where do you, where do you even begin? Um, And it's probably why I'm like months and months behind in, like most of my reading for most things. It's because everything looks so exciting and I want to read it all. And I've also just realized I'm one of those sort of like completionist people. And I like to know literally everything that's going on in the universe. And I haven't been able to buck that yet. Um, and so I like, I want to read it all and I want to know it all. 
Um, and I think there's there's a lot of this that looks good that I I want at least want to know what happens. I want at least want to be able to skim it. Um, but yeah, it is it is a lot. I mean, like they're going to have Marvel's going to have a a number of events going in the fall still, and yeah, yeah. Cool. What do y'all have? Any other any other thoughts or any other nope, any other nope. <laughs> things we want to say before we take a break? No more news. No more news. <laughs> no more news from here on out, folks. Cool. Well, we'll be back uh, after this commercial break with a look at some books that came out in July. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we're back. Uh, promise this section will not be as long as the last one. Um, we're here to talk about some of the uh, big books that Marvel had come out in the month of July. This was sort of a, a another big month for for Marvel, um, middle of the summer, all that stuff have kind of round two of their fresh start relaunches with, uh, a new amazing Spider-Man number one, a new captain America, number one, a new X 23, number one. We had the end of infinity countdown and the beginning of infinity wars with infinity wars prime. We had the Mr. And Miss X, the X classified book, the death of the inhumans, number one, and then the beginning of, of Ed Pisker's uh, X-Men Grand Design, the second part of that. Um, so we picked out uh, three books that we decided we want to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Captain America number one. We're going to talk about Exiles number five. If you haven't been checking out Exiles, uh, please stop what you're doing and go do that. It's a wonderful book. Uh, and we've talked about it a little bit on the show already. We thought we would check out the talk about the end of the first arc and then we're going to talk about the amazing spider-man relaunch um so we'll start with captain america first uh so this new captain america number one came out on the 4th of july because we like to be patriotic uh written by tenahisi coates and illustrated by Lionel francis Yu. uh so nick we'll start with you first on this one um what are your what were your overall thoughts uh on on this this first first issue of this book so uh it didn't really do much for me um i really liked the idea of like playing with the american dream which um which tanahisi coates has talked about in uh like interviews and i really liked i thought toward the very end of the issue we got like a page or two worth of captions uh, that started to maybe delve into that idea. But for the most part, the issue was just like setting the stage and like there's a fight and then there's these people. And I felt sort of like in the first issue of his Black Panther where the inciting incident for the whole run, it 
seemed like it happened, but it was also like, I felt like something bigger happened that maybe we didn't exactly see, or maybe wasn't portrayed in a way that was very obvious. And yeah, so I, I guess I was a little confused at that. Um, yeah, overall, I thought it was okay. Um, and I was thinking about Coates's like past as a writer, um, because for the most part, he's known for writing articles for websites like The Atlantic and for writing books, um, nonfiction. And I feel like if we're comparing the two, then this issue was sort of like the paragraphs before he gets into his main points in his like persuasive uh, writing. And if that's the case, then like this issue was really just sort of an opening statement, but it really didn't get into anything uh, beyond that. And so I felt like there just wasn't enough for me to really get into. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's really fair. Um, I kind of felt the same way that, yeah, that it was a little bit, it was a little bit sparse uh, and a little bit more sparse than I maybe thought it was going to be. I hadn't connected it to his, his, the beginning of Black Panther with the inciting incident there that you're right. Like that sort of felt like, oh, this thing happened. And now this, this, like there's a rebellion going on. The country wants uh, a democracy and not a monarchy. Um, but I, yeah, like the gravity of the thing that happened didn't necessarily sell that. Uh, I, so I, I loved sort of the essay that, that Coates wrote when he was talking about taking on the book and going to talk about like the American dream. Why do we still believe in the dream? Um, and I think all of those ideas are really pertinent culturally. And also just like Steve Rogers is a great vehicle to explore all that. Um, this, this book is truly the, the fallout of secret empire. Um, like Mark Wade and, and Chris Samney took over Captain America for a little bit in the in-between period. And they didn't really explore much of the fallout. They just kind of had Steve, you know, going on a road trip to kind of get out of the limelight. But this really feels uh, like the fallout and dealing with, oh, there are all these people that are still here that still think what Hydra did when they took over the world was a good thing. Um, And we have to we have to deal with that. Um, And so, yeah, like it definitely I like the way you put it, Nick, like it does feel like an opening statement in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, Jess, what did, what did you think? What were your kind of overall, overall thoughts? So I agree that it reads like an opening statement, but like for me, that actually worked for, for, for my reading because I fell off Captain America and to be fair, outside of the Brubaker um, stuff, I was never a huge Captain America fan anyway. And Secret Empire kind of made me that that was when when I was following what was happening with that storyline I was kind of like well this is fine because I don't ever need to read this book anyway um but jumping into this and having Coates come in and kind of establish that yes this stuff happened and here's the world that now Steve Rogers has to deal with and here's the and, and then he introduces the idea that they can't use Steve Rogers the way that they're going to use Sharon Carter because these guys are terrorists um, in this issue in particular. These terrorists have an American flag on their face and you're standing here draped in the red, white, and blue. 
the optics of that kind of suck. And so they don't bring him in. And I love that. I think that's so, I think that's interesting for Coates to bring that in. And then I think it gets even more interesting for me when you get into the issue and you see um, people in that neighborhood um, where Steve ends up helping out that woman and she kind of doesn't want his help and she's mistrusting of him. And it's like everything that Steve Rogers uh, stood for is kind of out the window now. And he kind of has to reinvent himself and reinvent what being Captain America actually stands for and what like in the climate that we live in right now. Um, I, I agree. He doesn't actually get to get into any of this stuff, but I think as a first issue, as like him saying, this is what my book's going to be about. It worked for me. Um, like I'm all in, like I want to keep reading this. I think he introduced a lot of ideas that are really exciting to me. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm in, I, I liked it a lot. And I, and, and I have to say it took me a little while to get into his Black Panther stuff. Um, but I don't feel that way about this, like this, I'm here for this. Um, I, I do think that there's, um, some issue with context. If you didn't read Secret Empire, which I only read like the spoilers and, and reaction pieces that were written for a few websites, um, I do think you're missing some context, but I think there's enough there to kind of figure out and understand what he wants to do with the character. Like I'm excited and, and yeah, it, it worked for me. It really did. Yeah. And that's interesting. Cause I didn't read secret empire and I can definitely see how, like I, I got enough information on sort of what was happening, but I also felt like I didn't feel the gravity of what was happening. Um, but yeah, beyond that, um, what you're saying about how the uh, the villains are people who have sort of co-opted the American flag. Um, early in this podcast, like months ago, it, we might have even been talking about this book, but I found it interesting. Like I was talking about how uh, sort of in American politics, the right and especially a lot of uh, extremist right groups um have sort of co-opted the flag like they sort they see the flag as their symbol and because of that a lot of the american left has sort of distanced themselves from it and i was saying how i feel like that's a bad thing and so i feel like this book like i don't know where we would say that cap lies on a political spectrum or if we should um but I think it's interesting that it's going to expand on the idea of extremist groups co-opting a symbol that's supposed to be universal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the interesting thing about it. Um, and I, I do, I do want to say first, like I, I did really, really enjoy this issue. Like I do think it's a little bit sparse and I do think it is most of a, an opening statement, but I think it's handled um, really, really intelligently. Um, which of, of course we should expect, I guess, from Coates. Uh, Cause I, and I don't think that it's, that it's heavy handed and all. And I think that your, uh, your question there, Nick, like where would cap lie on the political spectrum? Uh, I'm not sure that I, I fully, I guess, know the answer to that question after this issue. And I think that that's really good because he feels for this group of, of terrorists with the American flag on their face 
when they asked the question, like, why did you give up on us? Uh, and he also, he like wants to help. Like he wants to help the, um, the like boy and his dad who, you know, were like, were victims of the, like supposed to, like he, of the like explosion or whatever else. Like he just wants to help and he wants to be able to be a part of it. And he wants to be able to be a part of the story. And he wants to be able to be on the side of, I guess, I guess, of America whatever whatever that means um and I think that like that's really really beautiful and I guess not that I necessarily expected Coates to to handle this in a way that was gonna be you know like super liberal or super like fuck America and like fuck the flag and you know fuck the alt-right and all this other stuff I I think that this story is really going to be about kind of exploring like the ideology of these people that feel like their country has left them behind. And I think it's also going to be able to show, I guess this sort of like, what is, what is this American promise when, when the world has like given up on you or when, when you feel like the world has given up on you. And I think that that is a feeling for a lot of different reasons and for a lot of different factors that people both on the political right and political left in this country feel to some, to some extent or to some degree. Um, And I'm really excited about where it goes from here. Yeah. And that's, you know, those are all great ideas. They're all interesting. Um, You just didn't really explore them in this issue. They were sort of laid out there. But um, yeah, future issues will tell. I just hope that he does more showing than telling mm-hmm. with this stuff, because I feel like that's been yeah. the main barrier for me enjoying his Black Panther is that he has a tendency for a lot of talking head pages mm-hmm. instead of creating you know visual situations that can like really represent the concepts that he wants to talk about. Hmm. 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 Yeah, I think that that's I think that's very true, uh, and I think like even looking at this issue, like the the panel layouts are not you know like super super inventive or super um, like distinguished. Like they're they're pretty like they're pretty generic. Uh, like there's a lot of like six panel pages, eight panel pages, um, some like nine panel grid. Like it's kind of you know it's pretty pretty standard like page layout stuff, and it is in some ways a lot of talking but i i don't know like i love all of the like talking head stuff and black panther because i am totally down for like philosophical debate dialogue or whatever any day um and maybe that's just me and that's like a preference that i have but i i don't mind that as much i think as a lot of other people would yeah i i like that stuff just not i don't love it in a comic Oh, I, I don't know. I kind of like it in a comic. Like in a comic, I expect a certain amount of visual uh, showing, a visual like representation of the thing that they're, you know, exploring, um, as opposed to just people going back and forth talking about it because that you can just write out and read that way. Mm-hmm. I guess, but I don't like, I think like some of the like best panels in comics are people having like long, long passages of dialogue and like it's the expression on their face that the artist does that really sells 
like the beauty of the dialogue. I, I don't know. Like, I think that there again, like with everything, there's a fine line. But yeah, I could see how like the talking head stuff would be a lot. Yeah, and a lot of those situations that you mentioned are like the culmination of like a greater story, and like there's sure. you know a few talking head pages per issue um, that like you know, that expand upon the ideas that we're already seeing represented in a visual way. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. Jess, you have any, you have any other thoughts anymore? Um, any more things? No, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited to see where this goes because I, I really do think he brings up a lot of really good points and, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to read a Captain America book that, feels like it takes place in actual america yeah yeah no i i think that that i think that's a really good point i think that's really real um yeah yeah well cool well cool uh so moving moving along next book we're going to talk about we're going to talk about exiles number five written by now eisner award-winning writer saladin ahmed with art by Javier Rodriguez. Um, this is a book about the destruction of the multiverse, but is very self-contained. Kind of stars a team of of Blink, an older uh, version of Camilla Khan, Miss Marvel, uh, Iron Lad, who is Nate Richards' uh, Wolfie, <laughs> and <laughs> um, and. Uh, what kind of mostly seems to be a version of Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok um, and a bunch of other characters from a bunch of other different worlds in the multiverse. So Jess, uh, so this was the, the, the conclusion of the first arc mm-hmm. of this book. Um, so what are you, take it away. Um, I get my, I guess I more broad thoughts here. Um, I didn't think I'd really love this book um, as much as I ended up liking it. Um, it's really fun really uh i mean the real thing that i i really loved about this whole thing the whole uh, arc as a whole was was the art um which i i know we usually don't get too deep into like art discussions here but um that that this first five these first five issues have been so trippy and so different i think um especially the color work i don't have the issue in front of me but um uh, the color work is really striking and amazing and makes it feel like such a different kind of Marvel book than we're used to getting. Um, I thought this ended on a really nice note. Like if this had been it for the series, I think that would have been okay. Um, uh, my biggest gripe though, and, and this is going to be spoilers is, uh, I don't like that, uh, Kamala Khan died. I do not like it. Yeah, I was not a fan of that. Yeah, yeah, same. So it looks like I'm on the the um, the credits page. Rodriguez has been coloring this book himself. Okay. So so Alvaro Lopez has been inking him, and then he has gone back and colored it. Okay, because that Um, that color work is amazing. I love it. It is. It is. I I totally agree. Um, yeah, I I think that. the thing that just like you said the thing that makes this book what it is is the art and like you know going from talking about cap which has very standard page layouts and very standard panel work to like rodriguez is super inventive and just like bombastic and like kirby-esque colors um 
and just like crazy, crazy ass panels of just like, like I'm, I'm looking at the page right now where like all the like different blinks from the multiverse are just like punching this weird Galactus King amalgam character. And it's just like all these like small panels of, of fists and like the fists with like her like pink dagger thing. Pink is what gets me. It's such a good way of using it. Yeah, yeah. The all the pink, all the pinks and like the like the purple, all the pinks and purples and like the reds, all those kinds of colors throughout this whole book have just been very, very gorgeous. Um, totally, totally agree with mm-hmm. with all of that. I didn't um, realize that he was coloring himself. Yeah, yeah. I didn't either until I just saw it. But um, damn, he's doing good work. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I totally agree about uh the art being the main draw of the book like it's fun to visit all these different worlds and like just the the craziness that's going on but yeah javier rodriguez man he's so good he uh, i really like how clean his lines are for how detailed everything is like in a small like fairly small panel he can draw a really detailed environment and like the just the way that every single character is always fully acting and he also works very well with uh Saladin Ahmed's dialogue which he writes a lot yes. like if you look at these <laughs> panels yeah there are a lot there are a lot of words throughout this entire book it's yeah it's a lot um but yeah. i think because of the some quality of his art allows it to work very well with that like there's enough to get you to really dig into the situation and feel what it's like um instead of like there being some really simplistic thing and then you're reading all this dialogue on top of it it's like yeah you really want to spend more time on each panel and the amount of dialogue allows you to do that yeah yeah no i totally i totally agree with that and even now that i'm thinking about a lot like even you know black bolt which ahmed wrote with with christian ward um ward another artist who has a a ton of like inventive panels and crazy things like rodriguez says here that book had shit ton of dialogue in it too which is ironic because it's a book about a character who can't talk um so so yeah like there is a ton of dialogue in here but i just i love it because it's like so corny and just so like just like down to earth and just like all of the panels of like wolvie being like what is killing and like when he like when the like galactus king whatever the hell thing is like i'm gonna take i'm gonna conquer all of reality and become reality and he's just like but that sounds really lonely and oh i just i i just love the dialogue in this book like it it sounds it's just like a like a silver age romp with like modern day art Mm -hmm. and Um, then on the topic of wolfie i really like how in a lot of his panels um like hold on i'm trying to flip to one um he sort of cuts out the background and he makes it like a a more cartoony panel Mm -hmm. um yeah and he sort of does that for like in a lot of different situations just wow flipping through the book every page has such a completely different feel depending on what the the main panel of the page is and everything else just sort of works to like uh to help that main panel it's just very very well done 
I agree. I agree. Yeah, I love. I mean, I just love that this book is happening, um, and that's really all I have to say. Like, I love that it's like huge and nuts and fun, and like the multiverse is ending, but it's so like light and tone, I guess. Um, and like, like Khan, like Kam- the older version of Kamala Khan, like she dies in this issue, but just like the way that you know they like honor her and all this stuff, I think is like really really well done and um it's like dealing with like you know the death of everything but like doing it in a way that is just so it's just so yeah like i think that uh these five issues um it it got us to accept them and love them as a team really quickly and i love that like it got us there yeah yeah yeah, it put the team together in like two issues and then for the next three, like, you know, just ran with it in a way that um, a lot of other team books don't. And it was also um, really fun to read issue to mm-hmm. issue uh, because each mm-hmm. issue explored a completely different world. Uh, so yeah. it really felt like it wasn't something that was written for trade. And mm-hmm. it felt like mm-hmm. you were getting a complete story every issue. Oh, that makes sense, too. Yeah, I'm curious where it's going to go from here, I guess, in a lot of ways. Like, I know that the end of this issue is uh, is the unseen as, you know, the the Nick Nick Fury character saying, like, the multiverse is saved, but they got to, like, go and fix all the, like, the little cracks or whatever. Um, and I'm curious how that's going to go. And, like, from the solicits, it looks like Ahmed has, like, a bunch of little genre kind of stories that he wants to do. Like, the October solicits came out this week and he's like taking them to the world of like the Arabian nights. And I think that's really cool. And then like the next arc, I think Rodriguez is, is off on the art. I think Rod Rice is doing the art, but it's like, they're going to the wild West and yeah, it just seems like he's exploring all of these different genres and places that ex- could exist in the Marvel, Marvel multiverse. So yeah, it's so much fun. Do you have any other, any other thoughts? Yeah, on the cover to issue five, they moved the uh, UPC barcode. Um, that was my phone. I keep dropping things today. Sorry. Um, it's it's on the bottom in the center of the cover, which is very cool. <laughs> I didn't know that Marvel did that often, just like for a random cover. Like I've seen it done every now and then for something special, um, but never just casually like this. Oh, yeah. I just pulled it up on the interwebs because I don't have the physical issue in front of me. But that is cool. Huh. Okay. Fancy, fancy. Uh, Jess, you got any other any other idea, thoughts, things? No, I'm, I'm good. Cool. Solid, cool, solid cool, cool. series. I, I hope it finds an audience once that first trade is out. <laughs> Agreed. 10 out of 10 would recommend. All y'all better go pick up this book. Um, all right. Our last book that we're going to talk about uh, this month is the relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, written by our friend and yours, Nick Spencer, with art by Ryan Otley and Umberto Ramos on this issue. Um, it's the beginning of an all-new era for Peter Parker. And... I say that with 
all of the seriousness that I guess that I can muster. Like this really feels like a true passing of the torch from Dan Slott's decade long run to whatever the hell Spencer's going to do. Um, and I think that this issue both dismantles everything that Slot did in a, in a respectful way, surprisingly. And then also says, and also like takes Peter Parker back to the beginning and says, no, this is what we're going to be about. And um, I didn't hate this and I would love to figure out why that is. <laughs> um, uh, Jess, what are your thoughts on amazing Spider-Man number one? This is Nick Spencer's attempt at making us forget all the other things he's done. <laughs> he is giving people. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is his apology, apology letter. letter. This is him saying to the Spider-Man fans, listen, don't listen to the Captain America fans. Don't listen to anybody on Twitter. Don't listen to them. Just this is for you. And in six months, I'm a good guy. I promise. In six months, he's going to do something that's going to be so messed up. And we'll be right back to saying, why is Nick Spencer like this? Telling you now, he's going to screw it up. He gives the Spider-Man faithful what they want, which is Peter and MJ, which is the one true pairing, okay, for many, many Spider-Man fans, okay? And he gave it to them, and she's either going to die or... They're gonna end. <laughs> she's either gonna die real soon, or, or he's gonna somehow pull like a, a brand new day on us and and Mephisto this away. I don't know how, but he'll figure it out. But that's what this is. In six months, we'll be back here saying, "Wow, why is Nick Spencer like this?" You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> but all in all, though, the first issue is pretty good. I, I do like this issue. I just don't trust it. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Nick, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I'm glad that Jess had such an enthusiastic response <laughs> to it because I don't. Um, I mean, it's good, but hey, I, I didn't like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, you were right. It feels like it's going back to sort of rinky dink Peter Parker roots. Um, like he's living with roommates in an apartment now. Uh, like he's not running a however many million dollar company, you know? And um, I really like the whole plot about the plagiarism that I thought was really I funny thought to me. That was the <laughs> only funny like, part of this book. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the whole concept of how that would work in a world like the Marvel universe. That was fun. Um, yeah. Overall, uh, I like the idea of Peter going back to school and I think that's something that Nick Spencer can do well. Um, but yeah, overall, it's like, okay, that was fun. And Ryan Otley's art. Um, I've only read the very early issues of Invincible, which he didn't even he do did, the art he on, He started right? on issue or, six. It was Cory Walker for the first, or yeah. the first four or six issues. And, he, and then he did it like the entire time after yeah, that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I only ever read the very first arc of Invincible. So, yeah, so I'm not really familiar with his art. At first glance, it seems like it's much more simplistic than what Marvel would usually go with um, and maybe inconsistent at points. But as you read on, um, I think you realize it has sort of 
the same quality that the early image artists would have where they may not be the best at you know anatomy or consistency but they make up for that in terms of how dynamic their posing and action can be yeah and yeah and so his action scenes were a lot of fun uh to look at uh his talky scenes weren't as good but he still gave some uh some nice reactions between the characters uh in those so overall it was Mm -hmm. it was a decent issue um it's not like calling out to me to read more or anything yeah that is like a comment about his art because all of his faces are pretty much the same um which a lot of artists all of their faces look like very very similar um and that's you know i mean that's usually how you can tell who the artist is but like all of his faces are literally the same and his his peter and mj uh like when they're together they look exactly like mark and eve from invincible like like mj looks like a hundred percent like like eve from invincible like with the red hair and like the like you know perfect figure blah 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 blah. um except her hair is like a little bit darker um so but i think that's why because i love i love otley's art and i think that's why he's perfect to draw a spider-man book because you never see spider-man's face when he's wearing the mask um and so like you can (laughs) sell the like eye expressions that i think he does um i think like but and like everything else doesn't matter because you can't see spidey's face and so like he's just born to to draw like a spidey book like it's just it's perfect um i think this was like a really inspired choice and i'm glad that it worked out the timing wise in the way it did yeah and the original costume is very like it it works yeah for his style yeah, i agree like it, it has those sorts of like angular semi-detailed like they are details but they're not super detailed they don't take a lot to draw and yeah it's like it's a mixture of it is simplicity uh that is masquerading as detail Mm -hmm. and i think that's the sort of Mm -hmm. thing that he can Mm -hmm. do well Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i agree um yeah i don't i thought i thought this was a great debut issue um like Spencer takes away Peter's friends. He takes away his job that slot gave him. He takes away all of like the uh, like Avengers and all of his like superhero buds. And he takes away Aunt May and he gives, he gives, he sends him back to school. Like he was originally and he gives him MJ and just says, this is where we're going from here on out. Um, and then I think the second part of the issue that Umberto Ramos uh, draws is interesting because I think that's most of the like the setup for this is sort of like the mystery that this book is going to have going forward. And I really enjoy that we're getting back. I did think that I would enjoy this when it was solicited in the way that Spencer talked about it originally, but I like that we're kind of getting back to other Spidey villains that are not Norman Osborn and like uh, his like Ben Riley and like having all these like high concept stories. Like we're just having Mysterio being Mysterio trying to do villain things. And then he goes crazy because there's this other mystery villain. And then Peter has to go back to school and the lizards teaching and it's going to be funny. Um, 
<laughs> your description was <laughs> spot on. That's how it felt. I, like, I think the that's issue. cool um, because it feels because I that was my concern, I guess, when I was listening or like reading Spencer describe this issue is like, oh, this is going to be uh, like too simplistic, um, like too just like base level Peter Parker doing Peter Parker things. But it's not like it's it's simplistic in the sense that like it's back to basics um but it feels like it's going to be big as in like it's going to encompass all of of peter's world and so i think that that's cool and i do actually think that i'm going to read more of this i was only planning on reading this first issue for this podcast um but i actually really enjoyed this book and so i'm going to keep going and we'll see what happens um i think he's playing the long game which i didn't think he was going to be doing i guess yeah and then he'll do something in a few months that's just going to piss everyone off. It's going to be great. Can't wait. I yeah, can't wait. Yeah. Or he'll say well, something like... really messed up again on Twitter as he does, and then everyone mm-hmm. will be mad, and it'll be great. <laughs> Good. Don't use Twitter. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, I think it's like what issue like five or six or something that it's Isn't like there... it's we have the midterm Peter, elections Peter versus up. Spider Man. Oh, that's right. That's right. So. There we go. He's it's, he's going to walk right into it. We got the midterm elections coming up, so it's only July <laughs> still. So give him give him about four more weeks, and and he's going all in on this. It's going to be great. Or or what's <laughs> going to happen is the midterm elections are going to happen. They're going to go really horrible for the Democrats, and then Nick Spencer's going to decide he needs to run for office again, <laughs> um, and he's going to he's going to leave. He's just going to be done. Um. <laughs> Nick, Spen- Wait, Nick, who's Nick Spencer. Run for Nick Spencer. Peter well, Nick Peter Spencer. might run for office. Oh he's like a, you my know, god! But ab- he's going to be like the extreme centrist. Like he's he's yeah, gonna yeah. He, he's gonna like make all these allusions to like Cynthia Nixon in the book, but then but, but then he's gonna be like, well, Peter isn't one of those people. Peter yeah. has more sense. Oh my god! Nick Spencer's gonna ruin Spider Man. I can't wait. Yeah. No, no, not Peter's not going to run for office. Uh, Spider Man is oh, going to run. Spider Man's going to run. He's going to be. He's going to be. A he's to run for mayor of New York against King. And he's going to be a centrist. He's going to be the most. Like, he's going to be. A he's going to be the most like internet centrist person you'll ever see. It's going to be so funny. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Mayor Spidey. Yeah. Mayor Spidey. <laughs> mayor Spidey. You heard it here first. <laughs> it's going to be the banner across all the yeah. titles. That is. That is the, the Spider event of 2019. It's Mayor Spidey. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, anyway, this issue's very good, and Nick Spencer, we're sorry, but also don't fuck this up. Um, do y'all get any other any other Spidey thoughts? No, I'm good. Sweet. Nah. Sweet. Well, folks, that's our show for this month. Uh, we'll be back the fourth Friday of August. Uh, looking ahead, we got some some big things coming in August. Uh, we got an, the launch of the new Fantastic Four book from Dan Slott and Sarah Pichelli. The extermination event is coming uh, from Ed Brisson and Pepe Lares. And then the West Coast Avengers book from Kelly Thompson and Stefano Caselli is also in August. So we also have the beginning of Infinity Wars, uh, the end of Runaway's second arc with issue 12, and the end of Jason Aaron's first Avengers arc and more. So be sure to check us out then. We'll be back in a month. Uh, but until then, you can find all of us on the interwebs, writing at multiversitycomics.com, and then also on Twitter at KB... I'm at KBGregory13. Uh, I'm at just Cam at JustCamNJ. And I don't really use Twitter anymore, as we talked about, but 
<laughs> I'm still on there. If you tweet at me, I'll check and see my notifications eventually. I'm at N Palmieri writes. N Palmieri is exercising his right not, <laughs> not to use Twitter. That mm-hmm. is what he's. Um, cool. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, and we'll see you later.